somebody. I haven't been, I have done this in a while, so I guess this is a season premiere of Call Time. Uh, joining me today is Ben Fabian, uh, Fabio? Ben Falbo. Falbo. I haven't talked to him in about a year or so. Last time I did it was mostly talking about uh, his, uh, his uh, career and not only in wrestling as a producer, but also his career as a documentarian. He had just released one document, uh, documentary about the eve of like i think of the the eve of when we recorded but when i last talked to him now he has like two of them in already in the works or one already actually has one in the works and one had already been like another one released so yeah ben how you been uh been up and down overall good uh life's been taking some interesting direction since the last time we talked but uh otherwise very good yes uh like i said uh one documentary was actually something that you kind of like uh touched upon the last time which was the the uh i would say the zakamikyo uh, documentary because you mentioned the uh gang to talk about uh with um what's it called uh with lord kaufman and Specifically, right for the pandemic too. Uh, yep. How did the editing for that actually come about? Especially, you know, post pandemic, especially with uh, the amount of footage you had for the um, the documentary for for the Zakamiko documentary. Yeah, the Jersey Devil. Okay. Um, well, if you're asking about the editing process for that whole thing, um, I had filmed uh, one of Zach's stand up sets at the now defunct. Creek the Cave here in New York. And following that, I had a little bit of B-roll. But other than that, I didn't really have much to work with because then the pandemic hit and I couldn't accrue the rest of the things I needed to get. The only other thing that I had other than that stand-up set and the um, interview with Lloyd Kaufman. So I, I had those two things, but I still needed to get the actual footage with Zach. And once things in the pandemic kind of started to improve. You know, we could go places with masks on, you know, get stuff done within reason. I uh, made a day with him and we, I went to Gas Digital Studios in, in the village. And uh, not only was he, not only did we knock out the interview, but he was doing three uh, Gas Digital shows that very day. Oh, wow. So I was able to get great B-roll of that. He Every, in a typical week, Zach appears on, this is free publicity for them, <laughs> he does uh, Zach Miko's Midnight Spook Show, which where he and a bunch of comedians talk about scary movies. He does Real Ass Podcasts with Luis J. Gomez. He appears quite frequently on High Society Radio, which my other buddy Chris Vega does. Hmm. Uh, he appears on Legion of Skanks sometimes. So, yeah, no, he, he's a busy boy and he does a lot. And, uh, and as far as the editing process went, it really just came down to it really just came down to just putting it all in an order that I deemed appropriate. So we go from his early years to comedy to his world in uh, professional wrestling and trauma films, then we kind of close it out. So I wanted to touch on every aspect of his life. Yes. Uh, uh, speaking of professional wrestling, I, I know that the last time when we touched upon that, uh, Catalyst Wrestling was, you know, essentially in its own little private island. And now because... Very literally. Uh, yeah, like literally private island. And now that the pandemic has sort of essentially glossed over into more of a it's still there but it's still like we're kind of like in the in the process of we're still figuring things out but we're now going back into performances and spaces and whatnot 
Uh, I've been to a couple of Catalyst shows, uh, specifically uh, the ones in Brooklyn, because, of, of course, you know, going to Jersey is a little hard because, you know, it's Jersey. And two, uh, most of the performances I've seen in Brooklyn have been very uh, spectacular. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, especially since our, I think, that, no, both of the performances at, I mean, the wrestling shows in Brooklyn had the uh, drone so yep. like the drone aspect uh was that something that you had a part of or was that something that was just something that was just uh kind of like oh someone else was good controlling the drone that, uh, that came courtesy of a, another of another source i'm not actually sure at this time so i don't want to name them without oh, okay. properly knowing that came from another individual source another team yeah, provided us who just had those tools, as you said, to use it. And uh, I, I definitely, we thank them for it because that's added a wonderful uh, new visual element to our uh, to our weekly television, which we take a lot of pride in to produce every week. And uh, the Chilo shows um, over the summer, over the warmer months, were among some of my favorite shows that we've done as far as creating a outdoor party experience for yeah. people there in, there in Brooklyn was a lot of fun and one of the biggest joys of those shows was people who'd be waiting at the bus or just walking <laughs> by the venue just kind of peering through and being like what the fuck is going on here and then some of them would some of them would buy tickets and come in some of them would kind of loom near the fence and watch which is perfectly acceptable but now those uh i i would say just speaking i don't want to speak for the company as a whole yeah. that because that's a lot of people but speaking for myself as a member of the company i can say that the Chilo's shows that we did, um, Sabotage, State of Mind, um, those are among some of my favorite shows that we've done. I, I love the vibe of those shows. I love the venue. Chilo's is a wonderful place to run. And I'm looking forward to running there at least uh, three times next year when the warmer months kick off. I believe oh, we yeah. are returning Chilo's in May. I want to <laughs> say we're returning in, when the warmer months. So, you know, for the second half of 2023, you'll expect a lot of a more Catalyst presence in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, I noticed that since the pandemic, uh, ha like I said, has been glossing over or been slowly kind of like sl slowly been stopping or in that like performance space, uh, the the production quality for a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, shows has been like uh, gone greatly. Aside from the little audio uh, problem that was like at the uh, one of the shows where it was like uh the, the mics were kind of like on and on off. And then we were right by the uh, one of the speakers. So we kind of like got a whole blast of like whole, like essentially uh, why is my ear ringing like five minutes later, <laughs> five minutes later thing. But in, in terms of the production quality have, especially you as a person who is in filmmaking, uh, has that experience like helped you more grow as a filmmaker? <laughs> Um, I'd say Catalyst has played a very big role in my upward trajectory as an artist. I have learned how to organize myself a lot better. I've learned to, it, it comes in a few different areas. I've, it's taught me how to organize things. It's taught me how to set up maybe like a shot list. It's taught me how to get in contact with people for the proper way and set, and set a date for certain interviews and certain assets we need to get done. It, it's, it's taught me a lot of things in terms of communication like getting things started, breaking them down, like delegating jobs to other people. And it's really taught me that 
you gotta understand I've been doing, I've been working with Catalyst since I was in like very early college. So it's been yeah. as big of a part of my formative years as school or any of my part-time jobs have been. So uh, it's, it's, they've genuinely taught me a lot just about kind of about, about more about wrestling, more about life than I could have ever imagined, honestly. Yeah. Uh, now, not picking back on, uh, like, a, a step away from Catalyst stuff, uh, I noticed that over the past, like, say, year or so, you've been also running uh, reviews or articles for, I think, Looper or... Yes. Or, okay. How did that come about? Because I know Looper is, like, a very uh, famous uh, news site or article site. And, yeah, how did that come about? I wish I had a cooler story. I wish that I could say <laughs> that I sent them my, I wish I could say that I, uh, I, I hunted them down and I, I sent them my stuff and they did, they brought me on. I wish I could say that, but the, the truth of the matter is um, a, a while ago, one of my former roommates, he moved out quite a while ago. His name's uh, Dave. He, um, he worked for them already as a freelancer. And there's a program that Looper has in place where in if you work for them, you recruit somebody, they produce a certain amount of pieces, you get you get a little bit of a kickback, you get like a certain amount of money. And he brought me on and for, it honestly changed my life because having that ability to do a significant percentage of having the ability to make a significant percentage of my monthly income from home, writing about um, film and television and now professional wrestling with wrestling Inc. It's really, Oh, it opened me up to a quit a job that I did not like anymore that I did not want to yeah. be at anymore. And like, I'd always thought to myself, the minute I have something that can supplement this income, I am getting the fuck out of here. And when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm getting, I'm taking a, I'm taking another part-time job. That's less hours, it's less money, but I can afford to do that because like, I don't have to be here anymore. And fittingly enough I'm almost like a year almost like six months to a year after I left that job they closed it down so it, it was honestly for the best and but yeah no I really owe my buddy Dave big time for that because honestly without him even knowing it he gave me an opportunity that has really changed my life for the better uh, I, I asked that because it's like I started seeing your name like pop up uh, because you know you'd be sharing a post about them like oh it's like I wonder how he got into uh, like uh, like Looper territory I'm like that that's probably like a big thing and I was like oh it's just like it's just a it it just happened by like happenstance <laughs> I am to toot my own horn ever so slightly I am an above average talented human being i don't like to like poo poo myself i possess a certain amount of ability in the things that i do people enough people have told me so if i was crap i feel like someone would have told me that being said though a little asterisk next to that all of that i am i am incredibly lucky and i am incredibly blessed to have friends and colleagues who think enough of me to offer me certain opportunities and recommend certain opportunities and open certain doors for me they open the door but it's ultimately my responsibility to open it further, walk through and do the work that yeah. needs to be done. I'm incredibly lucky in that regard to have people like Dave to give me those opportunities, like Matt Ryan, like Ash Samuels, like uh, Brendan Sokler, these very wonderful human beings who have given me these chances to shine and thrive in a creative environment. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the environment that you uh, thrive in, which is both wrestling and filmmaking, uh, I would be... Uh, 
I would not. It would be uh, kind of hard not to talk about uh, the fall of Blackcock, ugh, the fall of Blackcraft Wrestling, and how that yeah. essentially uh, almost springboarded. Uh, because the last time I, I saw the thing was like in it's like like nearly a million a million views, because, maybe because of the pandemic and people bring. Uh, well, that's overstating it. it, it it's currently uh, sitting a little bit past fifty thousand views. I wish it was a million, but uh, I'm still very proud. 50, of okay. It. You know why? Because I'm a little dialect. Uh, I'm a little. Uh, 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 I, I see things twice sometimes, so it's like it's very cross. Totally understandable. No shame. So, so, but yeah, uh, I asked that because uh, Doug Bradley kind of like popped up on EEW a few weeks ago as, as like the voice of I, I would yep. say like the house, the House of Black. The house of Black. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, if they are leading it towards. Uh, him coming into AEWS or like a uh, like a figure f- a father thing. I was like, I wonder if they would actually say, you know, uh, track it back to you know the Black Craft Wrestling. But but in your like uh, like experience hearing that and then hearing kind of like the Doug Bradley type of voice of how he was speaking, were you like, oh man, it's like, what? and this is just like me as a horror fan going. You think they're gonna go into like Blackcraft uh, type of uh, role for that, or is that just like a little wink and a nod type of thing? Well, okay, that that that's a few. That, that, I have a few different answers to that because it's a multi term. <laughs> I know because first, of the... first of all, I find it hysterical that I'm the first person that anybody comes to now with any Blackcraft related <laughs> inquiry or or observation. That's just kind of become a part of my identity now. I will forever be the guy who, in a fit of boredom in the early it's months like, of the pandemic yeah. just decided i'm just gonna make this and i have told that story on this podcast before so yes. i don't think i need to go through that all over again but um it's interesting because i feel like i'm forever going to be connected to Blackcraft wrestling for better and for worse and i have a very it's, it's interesting because it's been two years since i put out the almost it's, it's been a while since i put out that that documentary and I've developed kind of a weird love-hate relationship with it in yeah. a weird way because I still love it because I'm very proud of the work I put into it. I'm very proud of how it looks and how it flows. Very proud of its visuals. I'm very proud of the uh, song that a colleague of mine, Alistair, did. Um, she, she's very talented. And uh, she, re- she did the cover of uh, Lead Bellies uh, in the Pines at the end of it. I'm very proud of how that came out, especially because she threw it together in like three days for me. I just asked her on a whim if she could. Uh, as far as the Doug Bradley thing is concerned, um, I'm just hoping uh, people don't blame me for it. <laughs> that's my that's my concern. Like I didn't have anything to do with this side of things. I'm just a guy who made a movie. But um, if they choose to bring him in, um, that's great. If they don't, and it's just a, vo- a voiceover, still cool yeah. to hear him. I know for a fact though that his role as the preacher had to have been the conduit for that. Like you can't. Mm. You cannot have Doug Bradley participate in a wrestling capacity in this day and age without anybody without anybody thinking of what went down in Blackcraft Wrestling. Yeah, I mentioned one thought to finish. I do, I do have a bit of love hate relationship with that documentary now because I still love it for the reasons that I stated. I do feel a little weird about it now because um, I, I don't want to get into details because this is a we're trying to keep things upbeat here. A couple of people yeah. in it have been called out, let's say, on certain. Yeah behaviors behind closed doors i'm not going to go into who you can google that yourself well you can figure out who but it doesn't diminish the film in my eyes i'm still proud of it and it doesn't ruin their bits and the information they share about the company 
But it is a little awkward, especially with hindsight being what it is to yeah. be like, mm, if only I had picked this person instead of that person or swapped in this person. Like, but I'm avoiding the urge to release a new cut of it with those people <laughs> removed because they're still essential to the story that I'm telling. I just wish that yeah. they had turned out to be slightly looking for slightly better human beings, let's say. Yeah. But I actually very black- proud of it. Yeah, I actually felt the Brathcraft uh, wrestling because not only a documentary, but because of how Doug Bradley's kind of like voice is kind of tied into that. Because, you know, uh, cinematic, you know, actors being in wrestling is like, that's not, it's kind of like actors in wrestling have like kind of like intermixed for kind of like for ages. Uh, Like, I remember for a while, you know, there was Lucha on the ground and one like the big bad was like, um, the big bad, I, I forgot what his the character name, but there was an actor who Matanza, played Matan Sequeto. Yes. He essentially popped up like what was it earlier this year for MLW basically doing their version of Lucha Underground, I think, but which was but they didn't call it Lucha Underground, they called X Tecca Underground, I believe, Under- or something like or something I'm to sorry. that effect. And they basically brought his character back, even though his character like kind of died at the end of Lucha Underground season four, even though the character is like maybe immortal, something like that. So yeah, it's like it's weird how sometimes when there is acting and wrestling and they actually bring in actors like to bring in as actual characters like i i i always wonder is like are they just bringing the character like especially in the case of doug bradley it's like oh he's a, he's a very synonymous voice in, in horror you know he he was pinhead for like maybe 30 years close to 30 years he's and a then, legend yeah he's a legend in the horror field like when you show something like that, especially in the AEW thing, especially with the uh, story that, uh, especially with the story that Mal- uh, Malachi Black is like essentially ta- uh, telling with how, uh, with the House of Black recently, yep. And going back to what I was saying before with him, with uh, Bradley coming in as sort of like a week, a week and a nod. Do you see? Like especially as a filmmaker, like people bringing outside—I uh, wouldn't say outside factors, but like third, like act, like I wouldn't say like like a—I wouldn't say like a famous actor, but like a uh, famous voiceover to come in and actually tell more of the story. Because even though when there is a wrestler t- uh, speaking that story, uh, hearing a famous voice kind of like like maybe helps it elevate the into the next level. I think that wrestling has let me let me uh let me phrase this properly. I think uh, a presence like Doug Bradley in wrestling can only be a net positive. Yeah. I think uh professional wrestling and horror movies have a lot more overlap than people think. Oh yeah. And I think that um I think that kind of uh adding him into something like the House of Black is a perfect fit because the those things very tonally go together in my opinion. Hmm. And like like I said, uh, professional wrestling horror movies like they do overlap like quite so well. Like the Bray Wyatt like legitimately came back, and even though he's not doing the Fiend anymore, uh, he's still doing a very horror related gimmick where he is doing that whole uh, like Uncle Howdy like type of s character, and his character and, and it's like very like horror s type of like uh, Mad Hatter like type of uh, uh, vibe. Uh, do you think that? with wrestlers well and, and, and this is your opinion i should say do you think that with wrestlers who have more of a greater uh 
freedom in terms of their character, especially if they are a horror-related uh, element. Uh, because, like, Dan Housen is a great example, because Dan Housen has a, uh, like, the more fun gimmick where he is, like, cursing people with the whole, eh. but then he, if he decides to go more evil Housen, I think that's the term, he becomes more of, like, a more uh, deranged, like, type of, like, looking uh, figure. Very. Uh, do you think when the horror-related uh, aspects get more of a creative freedom, especially in wrestling, uh, how good... of that you know, yeah how good of it is especially as a not only as a person who works in wrestling but also as a horror like a horror fan It's a very gratifying feeling to see those these two things that I love come together. I adore what Bray Wyatt's doing currently with the whole Uncle Howdy thing. I adore. Dan Housen so much. I admire him very much for having the guts to pursue such a weird character like this. And I uh, love that spot he did recently with the, with the jar of teeth and all that stuff. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, it's, it's like I said, it's gratifying. I, I love seeing uh, wrestling outlets, cherry pick elements from horror cinema to you know kind of elevate the visuals and the presentation of the stuff that they're doing for example over in catalyst wrestling we have the hudson county horror show and that's Oh, yeah the fact that Zach and Mika leads and um i go whenever i'm given their content to work with i go out of my way to make sure that we're evoking a 80s vhs feel a 70s grindhouse feel a very old school creepy cinematic feel when we when we produce content for them and so off that same sentiment i
in a more detailed sense on the subgenre, so to speak. But I look forward to talking to him about it. And the art of deathmatch wrestling will be a big component of that documentary. Eventually, discussing that format will will be a big part of it. Now, I know you said, and going into the second question, I know you said that you can't really speak about it because you haven't really talked to him yet, or talked, you know, uh, like. But how did you? conceptualize the idea of not only speaking to uh kira but also just like okay you know I, i've done black art wrestling i've done zach Mikio's documentary so like what what like what was like did you figure like should i just go to the next step and just go interview like a rising talent or was it just there's there's an element of that to it um i finished up i did the zach documentary and after that i did the julius smokes that one's a lot of fun to make and uh julius is a fucking phenomenal talent i love him to death we've got a we've got a little uh thing a uh, little music video coming out on the 10th that i did for him so keep keep an eye out for that follow his follow his whole deal and um as far as how this one came together i was originally working on laying the groundwork for a different documentary about another professional wrestler who i work with quite frequently his name's lucky 13 Ooh. um he, he's been he's phenomenal he's a great talent um crazy personality amazing look can have a good match with basically anybody we have him at catalyst pretty frequently unfortunately as i was kind of getting ready to start organizing that he unfortunately sustained an injury and that's going to kind of put that on the back burner for the time being and you know i needed a new subject to follow so i'm like okay well yeah. what do i want to do i've done I've done a wrestler who's a good friend of mine. I've done a comedic personality who's in wrestling, who's very big and very bright and very colorful and very mild and very violent. I did a, I've done a wrestling, I've done a indie, I've done an indie legend, someone who's been at like Ring of Honor and the New York Indies since the early 2000s. So I'm like, and I'm like, okay, so I got to do something a little different now. So I'm thinking I should do it, definitely do an up and comer. And I should definitely do someone who's local. So I could probably interview them in person. Yeah. And I just seen I was introduced to Akira when we brought him into Catalyst for that first match with Colby Carino. And he's just been consistently nailing it every time for us, like regardless of who we put him with, regardless of it's Colby, if it's Ray Jazz, if it's O'Shea Edwards, regardless of who we slot him with, he always gives 110% and he always gives us everything he has. And people who might have it in their heads that he's a deathmatch wrestler, he can't get it done in the conventional sense. He absolutely can. And yeah. his matches are a consistent highlight for all the Catalyst events. And I look forward to kind of picking his brain about professional wrestling and kind of getting in getting his side of the story, kind of uh, if, uh, asking him how it happened. That's going to be a lot of fun. And people kind of like forget like, oh, hardcore wrestlers can't really uh, professionally wrestle. It's like they can't professionally wrestle because that is part of the art of pro wrestling is that uh, no matter what gimmick you have, you know, oh, you could be a, like a doctor gimmick, but you, you could show that you have a, you know, a wrestling background. People who work in deathmatch, you know, type of wrestling, like, they show that they are legitimately a good wrestler. Like, you know, uh, who's it called? Uh, Matt Cardona, like, what was it, early this year? Did the whole deathmatch uh, angle and that whole idea is that, oh, he's also a, prof you know, a pro wrestler. Uh yeah, I, I just noticed you just going, Matt Cardona. It's like, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that. Uh, I don't know if that. No, 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 that wasn't that wasn't directed towards him. I was just moving oh. something over. But uh, no, Matt, I'm a big fan of oh. Matt Cardona. He okay. went to 
You went to my high school years before I attended, actually. <laughs> no, but my question is uh from my hometown from my hometown of Merrick, Long Island, which is a lot of oh, fun. Okay, good, good, good. I thought I thought I saw like a little sign, like oh don't please go on. No, but what my question is like, and it's a good question to end on things, because I know you said you had a little you don't have that much time here, but uh when it comes to uh deathmatch wrestling and people like and then there's the integration of like uh people who aren't like kind of like known for deathmatch wrestling like the matt cardona's the jeff jarrett's uh and they kind of like integrate them so well into actually going into that little style like do you see like a like i wouldn't say like a renaissance but like a new fusion of like wrestling style that kind of like combines not only the deathmatch style but also like the pro wrestling style where it is like oh you know, they actually have like a uh, whole, you know, chin locks and holds and, you know, people doing submissions. And then a seconds later, it's like, oh, someone's getting uh, hit with a life tube or something like that. I think there's a uh, hell you can mix the two of them together. Absolutely. I, I love I love seeing uh, guys like Jeff Jared pop up and wrestle Effie. I love stuff like that. I love seeing Matt Cardona come into GCW and win the GCW championship. In fact, I'm one of the people who's I, I tweeted recently. His run with the GCW title was fantastic, and it ended about six months too soon, in my opinion. Mm. I feel like, honestly, they kind of dropped the ball on not keeping that belt on him longer, especially considering, like, John Moxley wasn't even around to defend it that consistently. Matt Cardona was, in my opinion. So, like, I think that they kind of missed an opportunity on not pushing that further. And as far as what you said, kind of combining more conventional wrestling with deathmatch wrestling, I think that there's – it depends on the environment. It depends on your distribution model, like who you're who you are aiming this for. It also depends, in my opinion, on you know certain legalities. If you're in New Jersey, if you're in your New York, if you're in, in New York, because you know, to be fair, the athletic commission here makes it a little impossible to do proper deathmatch wrestling in the conventional sense. That's why a lot of that migrates over to the garden state. But as long I feel, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for that. Deathmatch wrestling to me is built on very violent visuals and this feeling of catharsis it's like this feeling of release yeah. like if you go to a deathmatch show it's very similar to a metal concert it's very similar to a to a metal show like it's just people screaming there's beer flying everywhere like after a long week that's the environment you want to be in to fucking let off some steam yeah and it's a, uh, it's it's a it's a glorious experience and so if if you want to bring that aspect of it into more mainstream, more sports entertainment, professional wrestling. I'm all for it. I think that that feeling of wrestling has to feel like a party, in my yeah. opinion. Like, it, like everyone likes a party. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna like feel that energy. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen wrestling on television. I've seen it live where the crowd is, they're <laughs> fucking, they're dead. They're basically fucking drooling, and like I hate that because like I appreciate the work that the people in the ring are doing, but when the environment isn't fostering a certain amount of like energy. It's like, what are we even doing this for? So I'm like, if, if, if merging regular deathmatch wrestling with uh, conventional wrestling results in a more interesting product, I'm all for it, honestly. Hmm. Uh, and like you said, uh, I think it also has to do with the audience as well, because uh, I was the last wrestling show I went to was warriors wrestling, like literally right down the block. And, mm -hmm. uh, that crowd was like legitimately, uh, even though it was a small crowd, because again, St. Finbar's is like a, you know, it has a very small gymnasium. Anybody who's been in Brooklyn or in the tri-state kind of like knows how kind of like how gymnasiums work. Uh, but the crowd was essentially 
as hot as anything, especially if it was like maybe like 80 people, 100 people there. I kind of forget. And and there were like legitimately uh, some great matches that were like very hard hitting type of matches that weren't like part of like that whole uh, like, you know, the hard hitting type of matches. And then there were like very classic type of matches where it is like they kind of like blended the, the two styles together. But you know that's a that's a different uh, uh, th that's a different uh, yeah that's a different uh, conversation altogether. Uh, I again I know you kind of have a, a busy day today. I have a busy day today. I got work later, but that's a different thing. So uh, uh, thank uh, Ben, thank you again. Oh, uh, before I go, uh, I know you mentioned uh, your two projects already. Uh, is there any type of other products that you kind of like want people to like watch to get? to know more about like who you are as a filmmaker. Okay. Um, there are a few projects that, especially in 2023, I'm going to be putting a lot of, if you want my most frequent up-to-date content and you got to subscribe to my YouTube channel, that's Benjamin Falbo. It's just my name. You'll see a nice little thumbnail of me with static in my eyes. That's how it knows me. You'll see a nice mix of these docs, some media reviews, movies and television, other stuff. If I feel like it, it's basically my ever evolving video portfolio is my youtube channel um excuse me Not too tight. <laughs> my the other place you can probably find my most up-to-date content behind that is probably my podcast hmm. that i'm going to make an effort to put out more episodes in 2023 it's it came from queens you can find that on spotify you can find that on itunes the podcast section you can find it came from queens like it came from outer space and I've so far I've done a couple of episodes. I'm very proud of. I, I have frequent guest is uh, my friend Stephanie Satili, um, uh, my friend Hannah Harkness, uh, me and uh, I did an re interview recently with Trevor Henderson, the gentleman who created Siren Head, and I'm very proud of that. That was a great interview. So I'm very happy with how that came out. Um, as far as other projects, um, I am in the process of collaborating. With my very good friend of almost a decade now, uh, Matthew Koffler, who's the filmmaker in his own right. And um, we are working on, I'm not going to give away details of what, exactly what it is yet, but I can say that it is a film. It will more than likely be horror. It'll most likely be found footage. And that's really all I can say at this time because we're still kind of building it out. But I, I more than guarantee you when we start doing press for whatever we end up doing, you'll be one of the first people to know. So ah, that's all you. I can say for now. Thank you. Uh, that mean that means a lot to me, considering I'm a, like a very small type of uh, independent, uh, uh, local like New York thing. So, <laughs> uh, Ben, thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, uh, anyone who I mean, and of course, as always, to those who are still watching, please be well, please be safe, and take care, everybody.